Well, have you ever received a, a Christmas gift that you just weren't quite sure what to do with? It sounds to me like uh, if most of us got a VR headset, for example, we'd have no idea what to do with it. And if I'm not mistaken, VR is short for virtual reality. Then you go, oh yeah, no wonder it's expensive. Right? You ever gotten a, a gift that you just weren't quite sure what to do with? Suppose this one in particular. Suppose leading up to Christmas time, you went to your Christmas tree, or if you happen to have in your home a grove of Christmas trees, and under one of those trees, or under your tree at home, there's a box with your name. It's a fair-sized box. And at the very least, you're intrigued by it. Maybe a little bit excited about it when you see it. Or maybe you wonder if it's just one of those big boxes that somebody has put a little gift in, right? With a bunch of smaller boxes down to the size of the actual gift. And if you're a person who just can't leave things be what will you probably do? Right? You're going to pick it up first, right? You're going to pick it up. And you'll pick up this particular gift and, and you'll think, well, it's not super heavy, but it's got a little bit of weight to it. It seems really bottom heavy. It's kind of weird. Uh, and then if you go with that, oh, not yet. That's okay. There it is. That's fine. No, it's okay. <laughs> That's okay. And then if you do that last act that so many people like to do, right? And you give it a shake. And when you give this one a shake, before you see what it was, <laughs> you think, seriously, is, is this what I think it is? And then when Christmas morning arrives, and you finally get to open it. And to your surprise... This is what's in the box. All right, let's do it now. There it is. A 40,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. So, I didn't even know that was a thing. Until about a week or so ago, Chris, who was up here earlier uh, hosting, Chris and I were chatting about that one of your boys, is it Aiden? That Aiden had said... Uh, he loves to do jigsaw puzzles, and he said he'd love to get a 30,000. Is that what you said? And, and I said, a what? Or something like that. And I, I, I'd never heard of that. So I, I went and I looked it up this week, and, and I discovered that according to GuinnessWorldRecords.com, the largest jigsaw puzzle that's ever been done is about 51,000 pieces. Now think about it, Guinness, Guinness World Records, they have to verify all of the records, right? Can you imagine being that poor sop? <laughs> so if you all verify it, 21,300. Oh no, I, I gotta start over again. I mean, I know they'd be more careful than that about how they count them, but they have to verify it, right? If every one of us received that gift, a 40,000-piece 40, jigsaw puzzle under our trees, there'd be quite
quite a variety of responses, wouldn't there? So there'd be a few people, they'd get all excited, they'd start doing a happy dance, and they'd say, let me find the, the biggest piece of parquet or hardwood floor that I can find, and I'm gonna, let's get this party started, right? And then on the other end, the other extreme, there would be probably more people saying, who gave me this? Have we actually met? Is this some sort of a joke? And then there'd be the rest of us who would land somewhere in between. Some of us might say, I think it's kind of a, kind of a crazy gift, but I'll, you know, I'll hang on to it because I, I don't want to be rude. And maybe one day I'll open it. Maybe not. And some people might be thinking, uh, Yeah, you know, this isn't too bad. So my New Year's resolution now is I'm going to do this puzzle in the next decade. (laughs) From 2020 on. And then a lot of us would just be asking some incomplete questions like, what on earth? Is that a... Who? Like, really? And we'd all have various amounts of success in actually completing this thing, wouldn't we? A lot of us wouldn't even open the box ever, and, and we'd have, you know, visions of next Christmas re-gifting it to somebody. <laughs> or trying to sell it online as a novelty item. Every Christmas, we, as followers of Jesus, we look forward to the greatest gift. Amen. We look forward to the greatest gift, the miraculously conceived baby born to the humble parents, Mary and Joseph, announced by the glorious company of angels, visited first by the lowliest of shepherds, and later by really exotic Easterners, the astrologers, the wise men. We look forward to this greatest gift, the gift of Jesus given to a broken world, bringing the solution to repair it. The gift of Jesus into a sinful world, bringing the payment for it. The gift of Jesus into an aimless world, providing it with proper direction. And the gift of Jesus into a desperate world, bringing what? Hope. And every person is offered this gift. I mean, so to speak, every person has this gift put under the tree for him or her. And when people actually unwrap this gift and discover what it is, we get the same diversity of answers. On the one extreme, outright hostility an offense for all kinds of reasons, and then at the other extreme, outright humility and childlike wonder that you've actually been given and offered this amazing gift that you just need to say yes to, and I want to put it into action. And I believe we can guarantee 
that every Christmas, even for you and me, who are here this morning, that when we return to Jesus every year as the greatest possible gift, we can discover that Jesus is always something more than we realize. Would you say amen to that? Jesus is always something more than we realize. And the more that, that we think we might have him figured out, uh, the more hopefully we realize that we're still actually only fitting together a very few of the pieces of understanding who it is and experiencing who he is. As we learn who he is, what he has done, and what he has been doing, what he is continuing to do, and all that he has made available to us as his children. Because the gift is far more complex than even a 40,000 piece puzzle. I want to offer this question this morning for, for each of us through this entire season of Advent. What might you learn or experience about Jesus this Advent and Christmas? And, and I, I even want to invite us you know, at the end of the service to actually take some time and be asking that question of the Lord as, as we took a little bit of time already in silence. What might you learn or experience about Jesus this Advent and, and this Christmas? And if there's any reason why we would want to dismiss that or move on from it because we've got things to do or things that excite us more, all the more reason why we ought to pause and ask a question like this. As we focus in on Jesus being and bringing the gift of hope, you know, there are even so many pieces about Jesus that simply relate to his being the hope of the world for us to learn more and more about. And Mark started off our series last week very well that we all need hope. And one definition of hope is a, is a feeling of desire and expectation for a certain thing to happen. And, and Mark gave a similar definition last week. A feeling of desire and expectation for a certain thing to happen. And meanwhile, faith, according to Scripture, according to the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance, even about what we do not see. And so hope and faith are completely linked together, inextricably linked together. So that, that desire and that expectation that come from the hope that we have, have to do with the confidence that we have in the person who is our hope. Well, sometimes hope is just wishful thinking, right? And something like, might say something like, Man, I, I hope I win that roll-up-the-rim car when it comes back around in the new year. That kind of wishful thinking is often how we use the word hope. But this hope, Jesus, you know, he, he, he walked the earth. He demonstrated singular power and character with his miraculous arrival, with his miraculous life, with his miraculous resurrection, and with his miraculous departure. 
as he ascended into heaven, the very presence of his disciples. So that in him, we have a confident expectation that whatever he did or said is trustworthy. Amen? Now here is a beautiful description of this gift uh, that, that many of us will be familiar with. In fact, it was during the candle lighting last week. Uh, this was the scripture that was read. And I'm going to invite you to read these two verses with me. Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Here's where the puzzle comes in. That prophecy did not happen in isolation. So I went back to read from the beginning of Isaiah up to chapter 9 to get the really broader context about this particular prophecy. And what led up to the prophecy was pretty heavy. And it's a very important part of the puzzle, if you will, of the story of this gift of hope. And for me, slowly reading the book of Isaiah, this Advent, is a way that, that I desire to learn more about this hope who is Jesus. Now the backstory in Isaiah doesn't look actually a lot different from our current reality in North America. My read of it, but when I read the first, in fact, a lot of Isaiah, I, I just see the West. I see North America. And those two verses from Isaiah chapter 9, you know, they might get us all warm and fuzzy and cheery and happy. Maybe we might hear the, the tune uh, that Handel put to that in Messiah, which I got to see last night with Mark, drummer boy, today. I saw TJ and Melissa there. But you know, so that's how that one starts. For unto us a child is born. We might think of that and think really nice thoughts and warm thoughts and fuzzy thoughts. But here's a context that shows the need for hope. And I just invite you uh, to listen as I read, or, or you can join me if you like, from Isaiah chapter 1 to get the context. First nine verses. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, 
Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up. They rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey knows its owner's manger, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord, they have spurned the Holy One of Israel, and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. That's pretty intense, isn't it? I mean, that's that's pretty dire. It doesn't sound like that 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 you know peppy little tune born to us a child is born. And yet, this was ironically seven hundred years before Jesus came. Isaiah gives this prophecy, but when he gives the prophecy, and it sounds like he's saying this is what's going on right now, but it's a prophecy. And when he gives the prophecy, Israel at the time is experiencing some of its most prosperous time in all of its history. And down comes this word. Wow. Under the reign of Uzziah, the first king mentioned in that list, also known as Amaziah, in the midst of this prosperity, Isaiah has this vision of this successful, seemingly, wealthy, prosperous nation coming under attack and being raised, destroyed. And people in his day, they would have called him nuts. Oh, you know, Isaiah, you just got bad news all the time. You're, you're like this, this conspiracy theorist, Isaiah. Just enough, you know. Stay with your little group and just keep it to yourself. We don't need your idea of hope because you're describing something that's imaginary, something that's not real in our lives today. Look at, look at around. Everything's, everything's going great. Everything's doing... Just find thanks, Isaiah. We don't need your gift of prophecy, if that's what you actually think it is. And anything you tell us that you think we need. And in all seriousness, uh, he was one of a number of spiritual Greta Thunbergs. 
warning of a coming peril, and she is this, the, the young Swedish uh, climate activist. And sadly, with the spiritual warning, a whole lot fewer people believed Isaiah than believe Greta Thunberg about global warming, climate change. And he goes on from verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of your God, you people of Gomorrah. And understand, when he's using these phrases, Sodom and Gomorrah were, literally, they were raised, I mean, by fire. They were consumed. And this is what God is calling his people. It's harsh. I mean, properly so, but it's harsh. The multitude of your sacrifices, he says, what are they to me? I have more than enough burnt offerings, rams and fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who's asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is actually detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations, I can't bear your worthless assemblies. Your feasts and appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not even listening. Your hands are full of blood. So wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. Now it's becoming clear what's going on, right? There's a character problem. There's a disobedience problem. And these are actually related to Israel's wealth and prosperity because they had become so self-satisfied. They had become so, so self-confident with their religious practices that they carried on. They said, well, this is what God told us to do, so we're doing it. Even if we don't really mean it, we're still doing it. And, and God should be pretty pleased with us. And they had a limited need for hope because things were going so well. People could do pretty much what was right in their own eyes. And God must be impressed, right? Because God became for people whatever they imagined in their own heads. Does that sound like any place you know? And I don't say this to put a damper on, on Advent and Christmas. But rather, in painting this picture, to say that no matter what situation you and I are facing, there is hope. Amen? There is hope. Amen? Amen. It's into our world of prosperity that's combined with so much anxiety, combined with so much insecurity, combined with so much fear, combined with so much uncertainty, combined with so much selfishness, so much pain, so much grief. Not to discount, there's some joy. 
that the Holy Spirit speaks hope through the prophet Isaiah. So here are the next three verses. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured, in their case, by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what he said would happen is exactly what came to pass. Back and forth then, for five chapters, Isaiah 1 through 5, the prophet sees God's just judgment and justified anger, followed by his merciful hope and his unfailing love. Do you need hope this Christmas? Do you need hope this Christmas? Are there people in your life who need hope this Christmas? What might you learn or experience about Jesus? This gift of hope this Christmas. What might the Lord want to be teaching you or to me? There's some revelation he wants to give you some understanding he wants to give you, some experience he wants you to have to go into a deeper understanding and a deeper experience with Jesus. Maybe maybe just a deeper understanding of hope. And so if, if we're each to open this beautiful gift who is Jesus, who would become prophesied about in chapter 9, our response I would suggest is going to be directly related to how much we recognize we even need spiritual hope. That's part of the challenge that we face in a world, in a society in which people are being taught that everything's just fine, right? We're self-satisfied, we're we're self-confident, we we don't need hope. Because we're doing just fine, thank you. Just like 2,700 years ago. Hope is part of that beautiful, mysterious, incredible puzzle of Jesus. That incredibly complex gift that we open up and all the the range of, of reactions from what is this? I want nothing to do with it. To that awe and the wonder to say this is amazing. I can't wait to dive in. This puzzle is not a picture like the one on the box under the Christmas tree, the one that I showed us earlier. It's a spiritual relationship, like a spiritual union with the gift that we continue working on and learning and experiencing and struggling with and enjoying through all of our earthly days. People who think they don't need any external help don't know what to do with the gift of Jesus. And praise the Lord, we have opportunity, and we'll talk about this some next week, about being the presence and the voice of Jesus through us in this world. And there are plenty of people who open the gift, don't know what to make of it, 
are discouraged that it's too challenging or, or complicated and say, I, I know people talk about Jesus and hope, but I'm a, I'm a lost cause. I, I, I can't even get this started. But they could never qualify by completing the puzzle. And if that's you this morning, you are ready for hope. Because it is the humble attitude that Jesus looks to and says, let me show you something that you thought never possible. Beyond your wildest dreams and beyond your asking and imagining what I can do in your life, Jesus would say. Because his response to your fear or to your shame is that all you have to do is start by opening the gift to begin to know the puzzle, to get to know the puzzle, to get to know the gift and continue working at that relationship and it'll only make more and more sense. And many people who've already opened the gift have stopped working on the puzzle. They stopped working on that relationship. And I want to encourage you this morning that if that may be you today, say, you know what, I... I mean, I believe, but I haven't really been tracking with Jesus very much. We actually don't talk much. Man, Advent, what, a, what an absolutely wonderful time to start doing that. Amen? What might the Lord say to you or to me in our spirits that, that we need to be learning or experiencing about Jesus and about hope this Advent? So this morning, I want to invite you to muse, to consider, to pray. Lord, what would you have me learn? What would you have me hope for? And I invite you, as, as we enter into a time of communion, as we celebrate the hope of the world, to be asking these sorts of questions of the Lord, because there's nobody who's a follower of Jesus or a not yet follower of Jesus who will not benefit from asking those questions. And let the Lord make the decision about how to answer.